Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I absolutely love young moms, and it's my passion to provide you with tips and tools to make your journey easier. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today, we have a special podcast, a relative of Louis Zamperini. You may have heard of the movie Unbroken that came out, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago. Well, this is a relative of Louis. His name is Mike Zamperini, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So before we get started, let me remind you, you can access our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. Be sure to sign up for podcasts and make sure you visit our website, which is characterconcepts.com. And there you'll find character curriculum from preschool through high school. So let's get right into it. Thanks for being with us today. Okay, today I want to introduce you to Mike Zamperini. He is a relative of Louis Zamperini. Some of you may have read the book Unbroken or seen the movie Unbroken. Louis Zamperini is who that movie and the book are all about. So, Mike, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us what, how, what a relation you were to him, and did you personally know him? Is he still living? Like Those sorts of things, yeah. yes. So, um, Louis was my grandfather's cousin, and unfortunately he is not, not still living. I think he died in uh, 2014, and okay. he was like, I want to say 96, 97 years old at that point. So he, wow. he lived a full life. Um, made it almost to a hundred. Wow. So he, I think his fam, my family's from Pennsylvania. They were coal miners. So the Zamperini side of my family was coal miners or were coal miners in the western part of Pennsylvania. Uh, Louis's family lived in New York for a while, but when Louis was small, I think it's in the book, you know, when he was maybe three or something, they moved to California. So he had lived in California pretty much his whole life. And I had never met him. Uh, we had, like, as a family, we kind of knew of him mm -hmm. because before Laura Hildenbrand's book came out, Unbroken, um, some of the family knew about him, and he had published his own book. And so one of my aunts yeah. had reached out to him at some point, you know, over that time frame and, and, and kind of established some correspondence with him. And, and so we kind of knew of him from that, that standpoint. My dad actually had heard a good bit about him when, when he was a kid. But um, in 2011, I was stationed on the West Coast in the Coast Guard. We were actually up in Oregon. We, uh, I worked in Portland, Oregon. We lived right across the, the river in Washington State. And uh, one summer we planned a road trip to California. It was 2011. Okay. And I, I wrote Louis a letter. I had his address, wrote him a letter. I think I got it from my aunt, put my phone number in it, said, hey, you know, we'll be coming to uh, California, you know, and he lived in the Los Angeles area, would, would love to visit if, you know, if you're up for it and things. And he, he called as soon as he got the letter. Wow. I think he was 94 at that point. And um, so 
yeah, he called and we arranged a visit. And yeah, it was really neat. We, uh, he, he lived by himself in the house that he had been in for 50, 60 years or something like that. And he, uh, he actually, you know, we're kind of driving through the hills, you know, somewhere around Los Angeles trying to find his house. And he came out on the street and was like waving at us, you know, to, wow. to get us to come in. And uh, so it was really neat. You know, he, at that point in his life, he was very healthy, still drove, lived by himself, drove a car. Um, but we spent about an hour talking with him and, um, you know, just hearing his stories and, and uh, talking about things. So, you know, that that was a real, real blessing and neat thing to do. I have a, have a neat picture of him and my kids on, on my phone. I could oh, show, wow. you, show yeah, you that later. Maybe you could splice yeah, it into could, the video. We would love to do that. Yeah. Okay, so do you feel like the movie pretty much is accurate as far as his experience? I think so. Uh, as, you know, as far as I understood from talking to him and uh, reading the books, um, yeah, I, I think so. You know, as we, uh, so basically, there's two movies. The first movie covers his youth and his war um, experiences. The second movie really gets back, gets into when he came home. Uh, he had, he struggled with alcohol. He struggled with what we now call PTSD or yeah. post-traumatic stress disorder. That back then they didn't know what it was. You yeah. know, shell shock maybe they called it. And, yeah. Um, and uh, he was really struggling. Him and his wife were, I think, at the, on the verge of of breaking up and. Uh, in, in and the second movie does cover him going to or his wife convincing him to go to a Billy Graham uh, revival in California, getting saved, and uh, yeah, what he says in the book, and I think the movie agrees, is he was kind of completely healed of his alcohol, his chronic nightmares that he would have really? from wow. the prison camp and. And things like that. So it's yeah. I I think the I think the movies do do a pretty good job. And you said the second movie is Unbroken Path to Redemption. Yes. I yes. want to watch that. That sounds great. Yes. Um, okay. So tell us about his experience. You know, it was a tough experience. Tell us about that. So he uh, so Louis was grew up in California. He was a really good runner. Um, he set all kinds of uh, high school records for the mile in California. And then he ran at the University of South, Car uh, South California, USC. Um, did really well there. But then, you know, when World War II broke out, he, he joined. It was the Army Air Force he was in. Did the he Air join Force. or did he get, you don't know? Or? I think he joined. Okay. I, and, um, yeah, I think so because I think he was... You know, he was a little older than a lot of the new recruits. I think he was in his early 20s at that point. And um, so it was the Army Air Force. The Air Force didn't exist at that point. It was yeah. part of the Army. And he was a, um, I think he was, what was his job? He was on the plane. I don't remember if he was a pilot. I, th I think he may have been. You know, he wasn't a gunner or a crewman or, or different things like that. I think he was a pilot. And I think they were, so they were in, it may have been Hawaii or one of the islands in the Pacific. 
they actually went out on a search and rescue mission. Really? Another plane had gone down. Oh, wow. And so they went out to look for that plane. And um, I think at this point in the war, you know, like uh, spare parts were short and things like that. So the planes were not as well maintained as they should have been. And his plane crashed, you know, they had some sort of mechanical problem and it crashed. There were 11, pretty sure about these numbers, but I think there were 11 crewmen. Only three survived. Yeah. Um, even that part of it, you know, is, is told in the book. Uh, you know, Louis attributes that to a miracle. He basically was tangled up in wiring or different things, and he was getting pulled down with, when the plane was sinking, and he kind of blacked out. Wow. But so, it, somehow he got up to the surface. And it was him and three other, or two other guys, three total, that survived, got in a life raft. Where did the plane go down, was it? It was somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, and they drifted, I think, westward, like over a thousand miles, till they eventually hit the uh, Marshall Islands, I think it was. Okay. And... Um, which at that point were hold, were held by the Japanese, and that was four. I want to say forty-seven days. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember all the exact uh, exact numbers, but I think it was forty-seven days. Wow. They were on the raft. Only two survived. One one of the guys died. Wow. You know, so that was at one point they went. I think you know around a week without rain. And so they, they thought they were going to die of, you know, of uh, dehydration at that point. And, they had no uh, food, right? Right, no food. So they, um, they actually caught birds, you know, so like uh, some birds would land in the raft and they ate some of those. And then they figured out a way to try to catch smaller sharks. They had no fishing equipment. But there would be sharks circling the raft and one of them would like put their hand in the water uh. and... And they would try to grab a smaller shark and you know and, and get it you know get it on the raft. Wow! I think he talks about they had they eventually realized like how big of a shark they could do that <laughs> with and you know how big was too big and wow. things like that. But somehow they survived. They you know they were basically skeletons by the time they drifted up. You know after I again I want to say forty seven days. Um, to the Marshall Islands held by the Japanese. And so they were immediately taken prisoner when they, when they drive, drifted up on those islands. And then, you know, the book and the, the movies cover it, a really horrific experience in the, the prison camps, the Japanese prison camps. There was one uh, pr prison guard in particular who was uh, very sadistic, you know, very just invented ways to, you know, be cruel and, and punish people. And, mm. and uh, you know, Louie and him didn't have a, a good relationship. And <laughs> so, you know, I think Louie kind of stood out, you know, and, and um, so that guard would, would pick on him. And I think I, I want to say at one point Louie got transferred to a different prison camp and so there was a reprieve from this. The, the, his nickname was the Bird, this one prison guard. And if he had a reprieve for a little while, and then 
you know, after a few weeks or something, that prison guard also got transferred oh, no. to the same camp uh, that he was at. So the, you know, that, you know, the, the really cruel treatments, you know, started to, you know, resumed again. Um, so I think that was a lot of the source of the nightmares that Louis would have was specifically due to this one prison guard. Yeah. And, um... The, uh, so yeah, when, once he got back, he, uh, would, would have nightmares, uh, PTSD, uh, you know, we talked about that post-traumatic stress disorder and, um, yeah, really a hard time. I think he, he, there were times when he was having nightmares, he would wake up and he was like choking his wife, you yeah. know, and at night in their sleep, you know, and so it was obvious that he needed help. He, he turned to alcohol and um was uh you know and, and was was really struggling with alcohol but this was the time when billy graham was was heavily involved in in evangelism in california and he was holding a, a tent revival in the, the town where louis lived at and his wife you know convinced him to go and and he was saved and you know his wow. problems uh Basically, he, you know, he he's, uh, gives his witness that uh, his nightmares and all and his alcohol, everything just wow. overnight went away. That's amazing. It is amazing. And then he, you know, gave his life to to serving the Lord after that. He he opened like a boys camp, a, a camp for uh, like uh, troubled, you know, city youth and things like that to to. Uh, you know, get get out in the wilderness really? and find out about the Lord, and wow, you know, and I did a lot of that. neat ministry things. Yeah, you know, later on in his life. Do you know about how old he was when he became a Christian? I don't. I would say maybe late twenties, early thirties. Guessing. Okay. okay. You know, maybe so most maybe of his early thirties. Spent as a Christian. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was. I think it was, yeah, it was several years after he got back from the war because he was married. I think they had one or two young children. So somewhere in that ballpark, late 20s, early 30s. Wow. That's, yeah, like I say, when I read the book, it's like, think, didn't he almost escape and then he got caught again? It's like things yeah. went from bad to worse. And yep. then you say when he moved away, then the then prisoner the prison guard, guard moved. Him, and yeah. it's like, ah, like, the Things just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Yes. You had mentioned that, yeah, the book was hard to read from that perspective. So it, it is also ex exceptionally well written. You know, I find my, I found myself when I was reading it, you know, up at two in the morning, you know, just yeah. couldn't put it down, keep yeah. turning the pages. Um, the lady that wrote it, uh, Laura Hillenbrand is her name. Uh, she also wrote the book about Seabiscuit, the racehorse, oh, and okay. she's she's a tremendous author. Um, she has has some sort of a health issue where she suffers from vertigo and and things like that. She can't leave her out her house uh, very often. Wow! So Louis and her, and her never met in person. They they talked on the phone a good bit. Louis sent her boxes of uh, memorabilia that she could go through and research and things like that. Um, but Louis told me when, you know, when I did have that chance to visit with him that 
when he read his book, his own autobiography or memoirs that he had written maybe 15 years before Laura Hillenbrand's book came out, he said that if he read his own book, it reminded him of being in prison camp. If he read Laura Hillenbrand's book, he had to put the book down and look out the window to convince himself that he wasn't actually back in prison camp. Wow. Like her writing was, was that powerful. Wow. And uh, so she, you know, she did a tremendous job with it. And, uh, but, um, yeah, so, you know, just going to that part of it, they, 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 that's kind of neat, you know, that they, they were, had that relationship and she, she did that. It's such a good job with the book. It really is. So most of his life was spent as a Christian then. Yes. Yep, so he lived till, I want to say, 96, 97, and, uh, you know, somewhere, you know, around age 30, say, you know, that he was saved. So, yeah, 60-some 60, 60 years, you know. Wow. Did he do a lot of speaking about the experience? He was... did. I think he did. You know, he, uh, he had a, an agent. I remember, talk, remember talking to him about that. And even at that point, when he was 94, he uh, um, would do speaking engagements, you know, and he had an agent who, who uh, you know, scheduled things and book trips and, and whatnot. Uh, he, I know he did a lot, and he, he preached a message of forgiveness um, that he actually went back to Japan and, uh, and offered forgiveness to the people of Japan and the... Uh, the prison guards oh, really? that, that they could find. I don't think they ever found the bird. Okay. But you know, maybe found some prisoner guard, prison guards who you know who he had uh, you know been imprisoned under, and you know he preached to them and offered forgiveness and and things like that. So I think that was a big big part of his ministry. The uh, the power of forgiveness. He he did start a, uh, in addition to doing a lot of speaking and telling his story and, you know, witnessing to Jesus' saving power through, through his own witness, he uh, uh, started a boys camp uh, that, that, uh, they, that he ran to, for inner city youth to, you know, get out, out in the wilderness and, um, and learn about Jesus and things like that. So, yeah, yeah he did a lot of, lot of neat neat things, you know, in ministry through his life. I love that. It reminds me of the story of Jake DeShazer. We had written about him. He was one of the Doolittle Raiders. Okay. His plane went down, and he was captured and tortured by the Japanese. But then he, after World War II, he came back and went to Bible college and went back and preached to the people that had tortured him, like the prison guards. And just the power of forgiveness. We used him as an example of forgiveness. It sounds like Louis, the same thing, you know? so thousands of people were saved because he forgave mm-hmm. the people. And then when he was old, um, he got Alzheimer's. And he remembered that he was a missionary to Japan, but he didn't remember being in prison. Wow. Which is kind of... Wow. Yeah. That shows forgiveness yeah. really took. You know? Yeah, the power. Yeah. yeah. And the, even mentally. That's interesting. So, yeah, so the, the other thing that I just remembered that... Uh, Louis autographed one of the uh, copy of the book when I visited with him and, and gave it to me, and I think he wrote "Be Hardy," Hardy in terms of like uh, resilient and mm. 
and, uh, you know, toughness and things like that. So I think that was, you know, the other thing that, that he tried to, uh, you know, to impress on people, you know, that, uh, you know, obviously through his experience and everything that he endured. Yeah. And not through our own power, you know, I don't think he was saying, I think through Jesus's, right. you know, strength that, you know, that we can overcome more than we think we can overcome. You know? That's just amazing. I think kids need heroes like this, mm -hmm. examples who illustrate forgiveness, you know, mm -hmm. in our lives, you know, if you're teaching little kids and they're angry at their brother for messing up their Legos or something, and then mm -hmm. they hear the story of, of somebody like Louie, mm -hmm. that just really puts shoe leather on what forgiveness is all about. That's and, true. And, you know, that's what life is about. It's about repentance and forgiveness. And I just think he's an excellent example of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have a great godly heritage. Yeah, that is neat. So he is not, you know, it's not a direct family heritage. So basically, his grandfather was my great 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 or great great grandfather, maybe or something. Yeah. But, uh, but Andy's certainly in the family tree. So. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> that is neat. Yeah, I th I guess for my yeah, you know, my heritage, my my dad's family who was on Louis' side was they, they were catholic and they didn't a lot of them really didn't understand i don't think you know true salvation in terms of a relationship with jesus christ so i think that actually came through my mother's side you okay. know, and into my life you know wow but uh no that, so that is neat though it is i just you know, I, kids need to hear these stories, and it's so important for them to be preserved because it seems like we're losing our history. Mm. You know, the schools are not really teaching much about history anymore. Mm -hmm. and kids learn history better through the lives of real people mm -hmm. that experienced history. It's just a much more powerful way of learning. It sure is. Yeah, I... Um... When I was a kid, I really didn't enjoy history because... I didn't either. <laughs> you know, the, the way that it used yeah. to be taught was just names and dates that you had to Facts. memorize yeah. and and it was hard as a you know as a young child to uh make any sense of that or wonder how it meant to me or how it mattered to me but as i got older i got i read a few books that were really well done history books that wasn't just names and dates and facts but yeah telling the stories of the people that were involved yes and so that yeah eventually i started to really like history a lot more through reading some of those books and then i really started to like history um in that it explains the world around us you know that the the way we live the way our culture is you know all that somehow you know came to be through events in history you know, yeah. and the more you understand the history, the more, the more, you know, our world makes sense. And then, um, I think Winston Churchill was a big historian. The, uh, he was. The yeah. leader of, uh, of uh, England in World War II. And it was his understanding of history that allowed him to understand the threat that Hitler in Germany opposed uh, to the rest of the world before many other people did because he mm. knew a lot of history, history yeah and uh, i think so i think it's a churchill quote that uh 
the further you look back, the further you can look forward. So basically, the more you understand about history, the more you can maybe envision how the future will unfold based on patterns that have happened in the past in history. So. Absolutely, and watching God's plan for history, how God mm -hmm. worked out his plan through the lives of real people, mm -hmm. that's just fascinating to me, kind that of watching God's too. providential hand through all these events where, you know, Louis, I'm sure, was ready to despair with yeah. everything he went through, but then God preserved his life to have him become a Christian and influence so many other people, and that's, that's what it's all about. That's you know? true. Yeah, amen to that. And you had mentioned spiritual heritage before, too, and just all that history. Like, you know, when, when did somebody in somebody's family chain get saved, you know, and, and how did that, you know, influence the rest of the family? And yeah. All that sort of thing, so... No, yeah. that's really neat. It is. Heaven's going to be great because you're going to hear how people's decisions that they made influenced us and how decisions we made influenced others. And, mm -hmm. you know, God's got that master plan yeah, for eternity. Amen. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Amen. You know, Louis story reminds me so much of Jake DeShazer, as I said when I was inter interviewing him. And we've got the story of Jake DeShazer in our book, Portraits of Integrity. We've also got an audio on the Uncle Rick Audio Book Club, a whole audiobook about Jake DeShazer. And I'm sure you will enjoy that too if you enjoyed the story about Louis Zamperini. So make sure you check out our website, sign up to get emailings. We'd love to send freebies. We just put out a new Uncle Rick audio freebie. Every first Friday of the month, we send a freebie audio. So sign up so you can take advantage of that. Thanks for joining us today. See you next week.